time for re-engineering your finances with the founder of CP Weldy Group, Charles Weldy. Thanks for joining us today on Re-Engineering Your Finances. We've got a bit of a special edition of the show for you today as we're going to be doing a mailbag edition of the show where we answer some of your questions on the program. If you'd ever like to submit a question to be featured on a future show, you can certainly call the office at 610-388-7705 to get in touch with Charles or go to the contact page on the website, cpweldygroup.com. That's cpweldygroup.com, and there's a link to that in the description of today's show. I'm Walter Storholt alongside Charles Weldy, who is the founder of CP Weldy Group, also a certified financial planner and CPA. So, Charles, uh, to say you are well qualified to answer all the variety of questions that we have on the docket for today's episode is certainly an understatement, and I know you're rare and ready to go, right? Absolutely. All right. Uh, let's, no doubt about it. Let's do it. Let's dive in. Uh, our first question is from Tony, and Tony says, I'm hesitant to pay off my house because I don't have many other tax deductions at this point, but I have $100,000 in the bank, and I only owe $45,000 on the house. So it's really tempting to just pay it off. What are your thoughts? All right. Well, $45,000 mortgage isn't a lot. And, you know, I don't know what the interest rate is, but let's just say it was uh, 5%. So 5% of like uh, $45,000 is what? 2200 bucks. Chances are Tony is not itemizing on his tax return. And if he is, he's only going to get like, you know, a small deduction. So I don't think he should, you know, pay the mortgage off, you know, just because of taxes. He should really look at the 100000 he has in the bank and say, hey, you know, what do I need it for? You know, what's it doing? And uh, again, you know, if his interest rate on his mortgage, say, was like 3%, which a lot of mortgages are because they've been taken out years ago. And today, I guess interest rates on CDs are like, you know, close to 5%. I might say, hey, you know what? I don't know if, you know, that's a good idea paying that house off. I think I would basically just continue to make my mortgage payment. You're not going to save any taxes and maybe you can make some additional interest on that $100,000. It's a great point. Uh, you get a lot of housing questions from clients when they come in to meet with you. It seems like it's probably a big component for a lot of people. No, I think what's happening now is like people are wondering like, hey, you know, um, you know, should I go out and you know get another house because interest rates are now like close to 7%. And I'm saying, look, if you find a house that you like and, you know, the numbers work out right, get the house because the house probably is not going to get down in value, number one. And number two, eventually you can go back and refinance a 7% mortgage. Mortgage rate should come down sometime in the future. Okay, very good. Uh, great question, Tony. Thanks for that. Let's go to David. Uh, I told you we're going to bounce around to different topics today with these questions. David says, I'm positive that I have more than enough money saved to last the rest of my life. There's just no way I could spend it all. I'm not bragging. I just find myself in a very blessed position. Is there any advice you'd give to somebody like me, or can I just coast my way through, financially speaking? Well, I mean, it sounds like he can coast his way through financially speaking, but the reality of it is what's his goals? I mean, is he married? Does he have kids? Uh, you know, if he's single and has no kids, I mean, does he have a charity that he really likes? Uh, you know, he could use that money that he doesn't need for himself and maybe reposition it to really help, you know, his community, you know, maybe a local charity, uh, maybe gift to like relatives. So, I mean, it's a great position to be in, but the reality of it is, is um, if he had a plan done and assuming he has one done and he knows that he's not going to run out of money, maybe there's a, a component called gifting charity that he could actually like, you know, improve, you know, his community, other people's lives. So, I mean, David, like congratulations, but um, 
the reality of it is, is uh, as long as you got your long-term care, as long as you're taken care of in terms of your spending for the next 25, 30 years, if you think you got more than enough, look, you know, to maybe give it away uh, strategically over your lifetime. All right. Very good. Another good question, David. Yeah, just because we can coast doesn't always mean we should coast in anything in life that we're discussing, right? So oh, uh, yeah, just evaluate uh, that situation a little bit more, David. Don't don't let that money go to waste. You can still leverage it in different ways and, and do some cool things with it, it sounds like. So that's that's not an opportunity to overlook, I would say. Another question here from Kate as we shift gears a little bit. Kate says, my son is 27 years old and just hasn't been able to land a legitimate job since he finished college four years ago. We've been supporting him by helping with his car insurance, cell phone, health insurance, and a few other things. I won't be able to continue this once I retire in a couple of years. How do I cut him off without screwing up his life? Deep question today, Charles. Yeah, I mean, uh, I don't know. Like, twenty-seven years old, you know, he's a, he's a young adult, got a college education. I mean, there's something you can do. Maybe like you don't get your ideal job, but you got to go out and work. So I would just say, look, you know, first of all, your car insurance. This is the last premium I'm paying. You know, usually you pay an annually, so this is it. You know, next year it's on you. Cell phone. I don't know how you know how expensive it is, but probably like you know close to a hundred bucks a month. Uh, health insurance, you know, it's everybody needs it. That's probably the last thing I would cut off. But I would just say, look, you know, I love you to death. Uh, sometimes I feel if I'm helping you too much, I'm enabling you. You know, what if I wasn't here? What would you do? You know, we got a game plan. If I'm retired in two years that, you know, maybe uh, what I'm subsidizing for the next two years, every like six months, we're just going to like, you know, cut it down by 25%. And two years from now, you're on your own. You know, tough love. I think it'll work. Tough love time, it sounds like. Yeah. And some of those things you can do without, you know, like uh, like a, like a the cell phone. I mean, that. yeah, we still kind of need smartphones these days, but it's still a luxury, right? If somebody's still young and they're starting out, you know what? You can't afford it. Go get a flip phone. And, yeah. you know, you can, still have, you can still have texting, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, I used to have a flip phone maybe like uh, three to five years ago. And I was at a conference and one of my peers said, hey, Charles, get with the you know, program. And I realized that, you know what, uh, I, I should get like, um, you know, one of these Apple iPhones because uh, when I was texting, it would take me forever with the flip phone. So oh, yeah. uh, that yeah, was kind of so. like the catalyst of me getting getting an Apple uh, Apple phone was uh, the texting is so much easier. So uh, funny, funny little side story for you, Charles. My dad still has a flip phone, still got a, still got a flip phone, still rocking it. He retired last week and at his retirement party. Uh, we, were, we were really happy for him. Uh, at his retirement party, all, all of his coworkers stood up and each read their favorite text message that they've gotten from him over the years because oh, wow. he's texting on the flip phone or trying to use voice to text on like the company iPads and, and nothing ever comes out the way that he wants it to. And so they were all <laughs> reading their favorite texts from him over the years. Oh, that's pretty cool. <laughs> that's pretty, great. Pretty, pretty funny. Uh, they also all wore mustaches when he walked into the office on, on, on the last day. He's, <laughs> he's known for his mustache. He's never not had um, a full-blown mustache. He's had it my entire life. I've never seen him without one. So wow. um, that was pretty cool, too. But anyway, the phone thing was, uh, was kind of hilarious. But you know what? There's solutions for people like that. Uh, for, for Kate's son, back to, back to the question. You know what? You can have a smartphone. But don't connect it to a to a cellular plan that costs that, 
you know, a hundred plus dollars a month instead, just use it on Wi-Fi. And you yeah, can, you're, you're right. We're around yeah. Wi-Fi all the time, Charles. Right. So, Absolutely. I mean, you could still yeah. text and communicate and still have that phone for a little while until you can afford it. So, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Tough love time. I think sounds like <laughs> uh, Rob says our company just got bought out. And there are rumors that most of us are going to be offered an early retirement offer. What do these offers normally include, and what should I be doing, if anything, to be prepared? Yeah, well, a lot of them, like what they when they buy you out, they basically offer you, you know, your I guess your salary for a certain period of time. It could be like you know as little as three months, and maybe as much as a year. But really, the key is what happens to the health insurance, and that's something that everybody should be looking into. A lot of times. When you do get bought out, these companies have a, a COBRA plan where you're allowed to be on it for a certain period of time, maybe up to three years. But, you know, again, it's, it, it, it costs money and, uh, you know, it's got to be in the budget. So I would just say that um, look at, you know, the pros and cons of like staying there, you know, getting the buy, staying there and working or getting the buyout. But, you know, if you're going to get the buyout, make sure you account for health care costs and really have a good idea when you're going to be back working, you know, with another company or another firm. Do you get that a lot uh, in in kind of in your area, Charles? A lot of people going through those buyouts and early retirement packages. It seems yeah, like it might maybe be like uh, years ago, Walter. That that mm. was the case, but now it seems like there's there's not as much of it. You know, before we have um, people that work at Boeing and Dupont, and uh, maybe like over five years ago, that was more prevalent than it is today. Today. Um, you know, they gradually just get rid of people. I mean, I have a, a family member that worked for Procter and Gamble. He's younger than me. And once you hit a certain age and I'm not, you know, I'm not downgrading Procter and Gamble, but you know, they kind of induce you to leave. And my brother was somebody that we worked with years ago and uh, he didn't want to leave, but you know, uh, we had a plan for that and, uh, he, he bounced back. He's doing well now, but, I don't see as much of that today as I saw five, six, seven years ago. Okay. Yeah, that's good perspective. Thanks for the question, Rob. How about this one from Mel? Mel says, I've been trying to pay off my house early so that I don't have a mortgage when I retire later this year. But at this point, it looks like I'll still have payments for another 10 to 12 months after retirement. Should I just keep working until this is paid off? I mean, you know, think about it. What's, what's your monthly payment? Let's just say it was like, you know, 1500 a month. I mean, you know, you're only talking about $18,000. You know, I'm sure she's ready to retire, you know, uh, you know, for the most part, you know, she uh, she doesn't have to like keep on working. She can just put that in her budget for one year and then, you know, she's fine. But, you know, I don't have all the facts and circumstances, but she had a, a bucket of money in her, you know, checking savings account, you know, and she just felt like she didn't want the debt. I'd say, yeah, do it. But by and large, you know, 12, 10 or 12 months uh, payments after retirement aren't that big of a deal, I don't think. Yeah, especially if it's an older, uh, an older, you know, mortgage. I'm guessing the interest rate's really low, Charles. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, I I didn't really no even think deal. about that, but yeah, it's like you know, it's almost like you know these car loans. I mean, you know, you have a four year car loan. The first two years you're paying a lot of interest. The last two years, the bulk of its principal. Yeah, it's pay to fact. pay it off. You know, so mm-hmm. you know, it's time value of money. What are you doing with the excess cash? Do you got this arbitrage higher interest? Yes or no? So, you know, there's no right answer. Some people just can't stand debt, you know. So if somebody doesn't like debt and they want to get rid of it, get rid of it. But it might not make economic sense, but probably if they only have like another year on the mortgage, you know, it's it's not significant at all. 
Yeah, that's a really good point. Uh, well, good perspective once again, Charles. If you've got any questions, folks, as we go through this variety of topics today and you have something on your mind that may impact you uh, specifically, don't hesitate to reach out to Charles Weldy at CP Weldy Group. Again, the number to call is 610-388-7705 or cpweldygroup.com. And uh, we've got links to the website and that phone number in today's show description. So check that out got another question here from Laura. Laura says, I like my financial advisor, but he's hard to get in touch with. I rarely get phone calls returned, and I wonder if my account's too small for him to worry about. I have about $350,000 with him, and I believe most of his accounts are a million or more. Is this a common problem? Well, I mean, I take uh, exception, like somebody doesn't return phone calls. That's plain out rude, you know, and $350,000 isn't chump change. I mean, basically, someone was managing an account of $350,000, I would think, you know, just based on that number that they can spend eight to 12 hours a year on that account, and it remains profitable. So I would just have a hard conversation with my advisor, uh, basically saying like, hey, you know, you know, it's important that we communicate, uh, you know, you're not communicating with me, you know, uh, just be straight with me, you know, if this is like something you don't want to do, I'll move elsewhere. But by and large, I just, uh, I don't think it's a common problem. I think a common problem is that, you know, most advisors, from what I've read, and you know, I, I have a coach and he tells this to me too, most advisors don't contact their clients systematically and talk to them. And it's not just about like, you know, their investments. It's really about, hey, how you doing? Is there things that we're not doing that we should be doing? How's the family? You know, really like, you know, getting that relationship going and continuing that relationship. Most people will leave their advisors not because of poor performance, but they'll leave them because of poor communication. So I don't want to say it's a common problem, but sometimes, you know, advisors might take clients for granted. And I think it's up to the client to call the advisor on his lack of, um, you know, communication. All good points here, Charles. All right, we got two questions left. This next one comes to us from Bill. Bill says, all of my money is invested in a regional bank. I'm scared they'll collapse like others have recently, but I don't know where to move it, where it'll be safe. I feel like I'm being punished for doing a good job saving a significant emergency fund and now don't know where to turn. Well, uh, my understanding is most uh, banks insure, you know, depositors up to $250,000. So if you have more than that, you can like add a paid on account, paid on death. You can retitle it a little bit differently and, and maintain more money at the same bank. Or you can just take the excess and put it with another bank, spread it amongst, you know, two or three banks. So it's an easy fix. I'm not worried about the banks collapsing. Um, I mean, you know, realistically, as a, a accountant, you know, having an accounting background, I realize that a lot of these regional banks have um, portfolios that consist of commercial real estate. And with the pandemic, you know, in 2020, a lot of people that started working at home that still are working at home and maybe going to the office part time. I know that, you know, commercial real estate values have not gone up. They've gone down you know, pretty much uh, a lot. Uh, I'm not a banker, but, you know, I have clients that are bankers. And for the most part, they're telling me that if the banks had to write down the commercial real estate to its fair market values, the banks would be in serious trouble. So I kind of think over time, you know, they'll, they'll start writing these things down to fair market value. Uh, but again, you know, the fact that the government, you know, and again, <laughs> you know, you can take it with a grain of salt. The government, you know, guarantees that your money is is 
you know, up to $250,000 insured, I don't think they'll ever break that promise. Well, that's a, that's a big one. And thanks for that question, Bill. I know it's been something that's been worrying a lot of people over the last couple of months, but sounds like you're kind of uh, calming the panic a little bit there, Charles, which is helpful. Uh, last question comes to us from Abigail, and we'll wrap it up with this one, Charles. My parents are going to purchase a house as they begin retirement, but most good houses in their area are just a bit out of their price range, and they don't want to take out a mortgage. Are there any options where I can lend them money? I don't know if their pride will allow them to accept it as a gift, so maybe I can loan them money. I don't know, but how does that work if, if it's even possible, and have you helped people navigate this before? Yeah, I mean, I would call in a real estate attorney, you know, someone that's like, you know, done this before. But, you know, I guess the easy fix would be if they needed, let's just say they needed $50,000. I would, uh, you know, as a son or daughter, give them $50,000, create a mortgage payable at a fair interest rate, just so mom and dad are happy. They can pay me, you know, every month, just like a, you know, I guess a conventional mortgage. If they run into trouble or something happens, I could forgive some of that. Uh, so there's, there's ways of structuring that that's done, you know, more so than people realize. So I would think that, um, you know, just get, getting a good real estate attorney, getting the paperwork done, mom's and dad's pride are still intact because there's not a gift. There's a, a bona fide mortgage on the books. And if mom and dad passed away, you know, Hey, the uh, children or the, you know, son or daughter could, you know, just forgive it, you know, no big deal. But, um, you know, that's kind of an easy fix, I think, for, you know, most people. All right. Thanks for the question, Abigail. Very helpful uh, to bring that up on the show today. And Charles, thank you for all of your guidance and assistance through these questions. If you, again, heard a question that is similar to your situation, or maybe you've got a unique question of your own that you'd like to talk one-on-one with Charles about, don't hesitate to reach out. You can talk to him from anywhere by calling 610-388-7705. That's 610-388-7705. Or go online to cpweldygroup.com. Charles is, again, a certified financial planner and CPA who specializes in creating comprehensive and tax-efficient retirement plans. And again, uh, you can get in touch through the website. Great place to start, cpweldygroup.com. And we've linked to that and put the phone number in today's show notes for you to find easily. Charles, thanks for all the help today. And uh, we'll look forward to chatting with you again on the next episode. Thank you, Walter. Much appreciated. All right, take care. For Charles, I'm Walter. We'll see you next time again right here on Reengineering Your Finances. Financial planning and advisory services are offered through Prosperity Capital Advisors, PCA, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Registration as an investment advisor does not imply a certain level of skill or training. The CP Weldy Group and PCA are separate, non-affiliated entities. PCA does not provide tax or legal advice.